the word of God. Hey, good morning, you guys. I hope you're doing great. I hope uh, everything is going well for you in your little world and um, not too cold as winter approaches. Uh, maybe winter will kill off the COVID and bacteria like, 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 like it kills off a tick. Uh, ticks in the ground and you don't have to worry about ticks in cold places. Maybe, you know, COVID will die uh, because of the coming snow, the blizzards to come. We can only pray. Hey, uh, today we are going to continue on a series that we began last week and I'm excited about it. And my hope for this series is that three things will happen. One, God's greatness will be seen and we'll go, wow, God, you're awesome. Two, that we will be encouraged by seeing the glory of God and the wonder of God and the grace of God and the power of God uh, in the world and in his word. And, and three, that we will be impacted so much that we will go out into the world and will impact the world because of the impact that God has had on us. You know, if all that happens is God impacts us and we don't go impact others like daily, then, then we are not doing what God has impacted us to do. And so I hope we go flying out into the world because of our faith, because of our understanding of who Jesus is, and we will just like go out and we'll touch lives and impact people and look for opportunities to to share the good news, to point people to Jesus. The title of our new series is Our God of Wonders. Our God of Wonders. And he truly is a God of Wonders. And I hope that we will be motivated by, by sharing in this time together. We'll be motivated to honor God and we'll be motiv motivated to share his wonder with the world. In the book of Psalms 72, the verse says, Blessed be the Lord God, the only one who does wonders. Now, we might think that our kids do wonders, you know? Your kid, little Johnny, gets up and he hits a home run and you're like, Whoa, Johnny, look at the wonder of Johnny. And that's cool. You know, that's nice. Good job, Johnny. Uh, good job, Polly, Bobby, Frankie, Michael, Steve-o, um, Hope I didn't leave out, Kathy. Uh, uh, but but that's not, you know, that, that's a wonder for us. But the wonders of God, whew, they're just so incredible. They're so incredible. Like compared to the wonders of God, nobody, nobody will ever do wonders like he does. He is the God of miracles. He is the God of supernatural events. He is the God of wonders beyond our imagination, our ability to do or to create. His creative hand and his creative wonders are so great. It's incredible. And so I want to talk about, first of all, the wonder of God in the world. Remember, we've got two parts to this series. Uh, each message can have two parts. Part one, the wonder of God in the world. Have you ever been to a little town in New Mexico called Taos. Taos. Probably gonna say that wrong throughout this message, but that's how you say it, Taos. The town of Taos in the northern part of New Mexico. It's, a, it's in the central part up north in Mex New Mexico on the Rio Grande River. It's named after uh, the indigenous people that 
have lived there for years and years. It's one of the oldest continuous inhabitat communities in the world. It's a very old little town, Taos, New Mexico. Here's a map of uh, this Taos, Taos, Taos. This is what the town of Taos, much of the town of Taos looks like. Very, very old school town. But here's a map and here's obviously the United States and what we see here is uh, New Mexico here. And right in the northern part of New Mexico is this little town uh, between Santa Fe uh, and Albuquerque, just north of Albuquerque, is this little town called Taos, New Mexico. Uh, it's, it's at the lower end of the Rocky Mountains, so it's at the southern end of the mountains. So, so it's a very dry geography with a, a beautiful, to the west, a beautiful mountain range of the Rockies as, it, as the Rockies begin to end down there in New Mexico. It's got a magical quality to it. It's got a rugged beauty, magical mountains, and a unique blend of cultures. And, it, and Taos is a very u unique location. The Native American structures in Taos are almost New Testament looking. It almost looks like pictures that we see of the New Testament. A very interesting place, a very dry place, a very deserty place, a very old place. But there is something very unique about Taos, New Mexico. And they call it the Taos Hum. They call it the Taos Hum. It's another one of those phenomenons, a mystery or a natural wonder of sorts. You know, while the Northern Lights we talked about last week, last week, the Northern Lights are a beautiful display of God's like patterns, colors and wonders and pillars and swirls. And it's a wonder to our eyes. The Taos Hum is a mystery and a phenomenon to the ears. The ears where we hear things, the ears. People who hear the hum say that it's a very low, low frequency. And it's not very pleasant. In fact, it will drive you mad. <clears throat> they also say that not everyone can hear the Taos hum. Uh, not everyone can hear it. Those who can hear it are called hearers or hummers. Yep. Hearers or hummers. The Taos hum is not as exciting as the Northern Lights or other wonders that God has made in the world. But it's a mystery and it's a phenomenon that points us, when we think about it, we create it and craft it just correctly, as I'm going to do today. It, it leads us to something deeper, something greater, something spiritual. The Taos, in the Taos hum, we see the wonder of God in the world. Another one of those wonders that leave us scratching our heads, wondering, what is this? Because they can't figure out where the hum is coming from. Mystery. We see, in the Taos hum, we see the wonder of God in the world. Secondly, the second part of this message is this, the wonder of God in the world, in the word. We want to see not just the wonder of God in the world, but we want to see the wonder of God 
in the word of God, in God's holy word, the wonder of God. The sound of God, right? The sound of God. Like we want to hear the sound of God. Today I'm talking about the voice of God. Primarily we're talking about the, the sound of God's voice to us as human beings. And what I want to do is draw three parallels from the Taos hum, the physical wonder of God in the world to the voice of God or the sound of God to a human being in the word of God. And so first of all, I want to share with you this thought. The voice of God is best heard when we are quiet. We're thinking about the voice of God, hearing the voice of God, and, and the voice of God is best heard when we get quiet. You know, God, God can get our attention in a lot of ways, but God is not a shouter. Some parents are shouters. Everything they do, they're yelling at their kids, right? They're yelling constantly at their kids, yelling them to come here, yelling them to go out, yelling them to clean the room, yelling, 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 yelling. Not a good way to raise your children. That is not the way of God. God is not a shouter. They say about the Taos hum, they say that it's heard best at night or inside or in a closed location, a place where it says, where they say, where there is very little environmental noise or sound. When you get away in Taos, New Mexico, in a quiet place, you have a better chance of hearing that low frequency hum. I think about Peter, Peter. Remember Peter? Remember Peter? Peter did a lot of cool things. But one of the things we remember about Peter is that he was in a boat and they were on a lake and this storm came up and Jesus wasn't with them. And this storm comes up and, and they think they're about to die. I mean, these are brave, rugged fishermen, but they're afraid for their lives. They think they're gonna die. And Jesus comes walking to them in the boat on the water. He's walking on the water toward them. And remember, Peter gets out of the boat and Peter begins to walk on water. Can you imagine those first few steps when you let go of the other disciples' hands or the boat and you are now walking on top of the water? But then something happens. It's dark, so Peter notices the darkness. It's stormy, so Peter is now noticing again the storm and the waves and the water and the chaotic sound of the ocean in the middle of a storm. And the whistling of the wind as Peter is now walking on water out there in the storm away from his safety with Jesus in front of him. And what Peter does is he takes his eyes off of Jesus. His connection with Jesus is disrupted other sounds, the static of the storm, have disrupted Peter's connection to Jesus. So much sound, so much noise. Peter loses the voice of Jesus. He loses the sound of Jesus's voice, calling him to come on out on the water. Like in a world that we live, highway traffic, airplane runways, train stations, beeping horns, barking dogs, screaming children, 
cheering crowds, iPads, and iBuds or earbuds, how will we ever, how will we ever hear the voice of God if we don't unplug? How are you and I, how are we going to hear the voice of God if we do not unplug? Remember in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is on the run. He's running away. He's a wanted man. And he, he's led up onto a mountain, up into the rocks and the caves. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11, the scripture says this. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. What a fearful sight that must have been for Elijah. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Another scary moment, right? But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood out at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing? Powerful, powerful moment of God interacting with a human being. In this case, Elijah. And he's up on this mountain and God is going to speak to him, but God does not speak to him in the loudness of the wind and the crashing of the rocks. He doesn't speak to him in the earthquake and the shattering of the mountain. He doesn't speak to him in the fire. What a powerful sight of fire that must have been if you were Elijah. But what God does do is he speaks to him in a gentle whisper in the very soft, gentle sound of God. He speaks to Elijah. And the words that he shares with him, those last, that last line, is a, is a word of conviction. And it should be a word of conviction for Elijah in his context and what's going on. But it also should be a word of conviction for you and me right now. When God says to him, Elijah... What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I mean, I know people have said stuff like that to me and to you growing up. You're, you're messing around with stuff and you're tearing things up and your parents come in the room and they go, what are you guys doing? Like it's that kind of thing. God says to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? Like where, where are you headed? Where is your life headed? Where are you going? Like for us, it's like, what am I doing with my life? Like the past years that I have already lived that I can't relive anymore and the future years that God might give me out in front of me, what am I doing with the life that God has given me? It's a great question for us to chew on right now. What are you doing here? Because everybody wants to know God's will for their life. We all want to know God's will for our life. At least if we believe in God, we want to know God's will for our life. And we desire to hear God's voice and to know his plans for us. What he wants us to do, how we want, what kind of job, how many children, who he wants us to marry, where we should live. All those things. We want to know his plans for our life. 
And God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? It's a, it's a moment of introspection. I think that's the word. Yeah, time to, uh, to, to evaluate self, right? What am I doing here? What am I doing with my life? Like, I, I do this on a regular basis with me, my ministry, and what am I doing here? Am I just going through the motions? Or am I living the life that God wants me to live? Being effective for his kingdom? What am I doing here? What are you doing here? It's a great question. You know, over and over again, Jesus, we, we, we read these words in the scripture. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray in uh, Luke 15. Jesus often, see the word often, it means over and over again, on a regular basis, he got away from the people. He got away from the crowds. He got away from the miracles and the signs and the wonders and, and the, 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 the screams of the crowd and the noise of the world. Jesus often went off into the mountains or off into the wilderness where he could get alone, where it was quiet, where he could pray. Dozens of times we read this so, so that he could be on purpose, so that he could live a life that is on purpose, so that he could ask himself, what am I doing here? Am I doing what the Father wants? And so he could hear the Father and, and spend some time with his Father and get in tune again with his Father. You know, Jesus and his disciples often withdrew. They, they left the crowds and they went on the other side of the lake to get away. They went into the garden just to pray and to get into a quiet place to get quiet together before God. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus said, When you pray, go into your inner room and pray. Why? Well, in the context of the passage, one of the reasons is so that you're not seen by men. Don't go, don't go on the corner and say your prayer so everybody looks at you and goes, wow, what an awesome prayer you are. You know, don't do that. And that's one of the reasons Jesus says, go into your closet and pray. Go somewhere quiet where nobody's going to see you. But he also is saying that because in that closet, you can remove the noise. You can get quiet with God and pray to your Father in secret. So important. You want to hear the voice of God? We want to hear the voice of God? Well, it is best heard when we get quiet. Remove the static. Remove the noise. It isn't going to remove itself. You are going to have to make a decision and have a plan to get out of the noise, to get out of the river of noise in your life so you can ask yourself, what am I doing? So God can ask you, what are you doing? Every Wednesday we pray right here at our building at noon, 12 o'clock noon, every Wednesday. We have a wall. We have hundreds of names of needs of people. Some of you guys are on that wall. In fact, all of you guys are probably on that wall. And we pray for your things that are going on in your life. We lift you up before the Lord every week. And you're welcome to join us to do that if you live in this area. If, you're, if you want, you want to just say, hey, at 12 o'clock every Wednesday, I'm going to set my phone to Bing. And when it bings at noon, I'm going to just stop what I'm doing and take a few minutes and just pray. And if you do that, you will be praying together with some of us. You will definitely be praying together with me. 
and some others that pray at that hour. Do that every Wednesday, 12 o'clock. God will know that's all that matters. And we'll just be in prayer together every Wednesday at noon, no matter where we are. Just stop, drop, and pray. 12 o'clock Wednesday, okay? It's just another opportunity for you to get quiet with God. Number two, number two. The voice of God, that's what we're talking about, the sound of God, the, 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 the move of God. The voice of God will always cause a reaction. Always. It's always going to cause a reaction. You know, Newton's third law of motion tells us, actually it was God's creation. God put into motion and force and gravity. God created all. Newton just identified it for us to be able to understand what it is. But, but his law of motion says for every action, there is a equal and opposite reaction, right? And so gravity, we're talking about gravity and we're talking about force. So when two things collide, two things collide that are of equal, equal uh, weight and mass, like uh, cue balls, right, eight ball and the two ball, they hit each other. They're going to hit each other with the same force, and they're going to go in opposite directions with the same force as well. But when two objects of unequal mass collide, the opposite the objects will accelerate at different rates. So you have a baseball bat and you hit a softball or a baseball, that bigger mass with more force is gonna send a smaller mass with less force flying into the bleachers, right? If you're good enough, out of the stadium, it's gone. Or you take a ping pong paddle and you swing it and hit a ping pong ball and that smaller object, this is just called this is called common sense, most of this, okay, right? They just put it in words that are sophisticated. This is called duh. Duh. Okay, so the smaller object with, with, with mass will have a greater acceleration. This is really kind of cool. A greater acceleration away from the other object because the other object is bigger. And when it hits it, it's going to go flying. Like when um, a running back runs over a cornerback or a safety and he just plows them over, you know, he just runs right through them. You know, that's what happens. And here's the cool thing about this. God's action on us, God's action on us is not equal. God's mass is huge. Ours is tiny. And it should result in us going soaring like a ping pong ball. We should go flying in a good way, flying away in a new direction, in the direction that God wants us to go, Right? God's action on you should cause a reaction. God's action on you should cause a reaction. Because God's sound, God's voice, God's action always creates a reaction. When God speaks, something big is about to happen. And it will be a big thing. It will not be a small thing. The sound of God can move a mountain, the sound of God, right? Oh, wait, sorry about that. For every action, there is a reaction. Albert Einstein said this. So check this out. At creation, God said what? Let there be, right? Just words. Let there be. God spoke. The sound of God said, let there be, and ba-boom. Things happened, right? Right, things happened. Trees are in place, land is in place, oceans are created, 
animals are created, sea creatures are created, birds and mountains appear. Sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies are created. At the sound of God, the voice of God, and thousands of other wonders are put in place, are the reaction of God's action. They are what happens when God speaks. At the audible sound of God, all things came to be. When the Lord says that he will do something, he always does it, and it always happens. When he speaks something, there's going to be a reaction. It is going to happen. Noah, build a boat. A flood is coming. What happens? A flood comes. Lot, get out of town. A fire is going to rain down. And what happens? The fire rains down. Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. And he is. Moses, you will lead the people out of bondage. And he does. Joshua, blow your trumpets. March around the walls. And the walls will crumble. And they do. When God says something will happen, it will happen. And God promised that his son Jesus would come, the Messiah, the Christ. And Jesus came. So when God says that Jesus is going to come back, you and I can bank on the fact that he is and he will. That's the good news. See, the voice of God always produces a reaction. Always. 100% of the time that God says something, it's going to create a reaction. Promises kept, blessings flow, discipline carried out, battles won. Right? That's what's going to happen. Our God of wonders is the God of his word. He is the God of his word. He even binds himself to his word. So much so that when sin on the earth had a penalty that had to be paid, and there was no one on the planet that could pay the penalty for the sin, God sent his only son to pay sin's debt. God is a God of his word, even if it means he must suffer and sacrifice to keep his word. And he sends his son, Jesus. The sound of God is continually powerful. The psalmist wrote this, Psalm 29, and he said, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Man, the power of God's voice, the power of the sound of God is incredible. And there is always going to be a reaction. In Matthew chapter 8, the scripture says this. Jesus had entered Capernaum up there near Galilee at the top of the Sea of Galilee, the little pear-shaped lake. Um, <laughs> yeah, above the other lake, you know. Uh, a centurion came to him asking for help. Centurion, a soldier, a Roman soldier, man of uh, power and authority. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home and he's paralyzed, suffering terribly. This is his servant and the centurion is very compassionate toward his servant. He loves his servant. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve for you to come under my roof. But just say the word 
and my servant will be healed. This man has a lot of faith, a lot more faith than most of us have. But this man is a leader, and he understood the principle of authority, especially military rank, right? There's leaders, and then there's the grunt workers, and there's people in between, and there's a pecking order to the military, right, and to a leadership. There's this pecking order. We all kind of understand that. That man understood that, and this man actually had some of that authority because look what he says in verse 9, for I myself. He understands authority. I myself am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. This man understood that he had authority over other people and what that looked like. But this man also knew and believed that Jesus had authority that he did not. That's a revelation, right? And, and, and he knew that Jesus had authority over sickness and over disease and even death. He knew this. And what he knew to be was true. And he knew that he could not say the words, go and be healed. But he knew upon the action of Jesus, the voice of Jesus, the reaction would be a miracle. He knew that he couldn't say be healed to his servant and it would have happened and wouldn't happen. But he knew that the voice of God could say be healed this man had faith. He had a tremendous faith. And at the words of Jesus in verse 13, the servant is healed. Jesus speaks the word. At the voice, at the sound of Jesus' voice, the man is healed long distance. Jesus didn't even go to where the servant was. He just spoke the words. And the uh, third law of Newton says that the object, here's the cool thing, the object with the smaller mass will have greater acceleration. That is really cool, isn't it? The, 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 the object with the smaller mass, big thing, it's a little thing. The little thing is going to go flying. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? It's going to go flying like, like that. Some of you have experienced this feeling of taking your bat, crushing a ball, and the ball goes flying, like out of here, right? That's... That's us. We're the smaller mass. We're the little ball. And God's force and power is the bat, right? God hits us. He, his voice impacts us. He empowers us. And when the voice of God speaks, you and I should accelerate. The force of God should send you on fire in the direction that God desires. Because the voice of God will always cause a reaction. Every time, 100%. And number three, the last thing is this, the voice of God, not all will hear it. When it comes to the voice of God, not all will hear it. When it comes to the voice of God, it's heard best when we get quiet. When it comes to the voice of God, it will always produce a reaction. And when it comes to the voice of God, not everyone hears it. Not everyone hears it. The voice of God speaks, but not all hear. Many, many, many simply 
are not listening at all. They're not listening at all. And there's different levels of listening and hearing. That's what we're going to talk about. The Tao's hum, the Tao's hum, they said not everyone could hear. It could be going on all the time. It goes on all the time, they say over there. But not everyone hears the hum. Some people don't hear the low frequency hum, like a dog whistle, right? You blow the whistle, it drives the dogs nuts, but people don't even hear that high-pitched whistle. So what determines, what determines who hears the voice of God? Who determines, what determines who hears the voice of God? Well, in John 3, Jesus is speaking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. And he's talking to Nicodemus about being born again, a second time. And Jesus says these words, You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. Don't be surprised at this, this truth. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, this is true, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. Not by the sound. By the leaves you can, by the motion of things that it affects you can. But you can't tell where it's coming or where it's going. And then he says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, the wind blows where it wishes. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit, everyone who receives the Spirit, everyone who is born again, everyone who hears and feels the impact of the voice or the sound of God. And, and so this indicates two things. Number one, it indicates that God is the one who draws people. God is the one who draws people to himself. God's Spirit draws us to himself. But it also implies, number two, that people have to be receptive. You have to be at a point in your life where you're receptive to the spirit of the wind or the voice or the sound of God. Who hears the sound of God or the voice of God? People who God draws and people who are receptive to hear. The current flow begins from above. It starts with God. If it didn't start with God, it doesn't matter how desirable you are to God or for God or how much you hunger and thirst for him. If he doesn't give us his spirit, if he doesn't speak to us or create the relationship, nothing will ever happen. But the current flows from above. God wants a relationship with you. God wants to pour out his spirit in you. God wants to speak to us on a daily basis. He wants it. The current is flowing. We got to want that too. But it begins with him. Like you can walk over to a wall and flip a switch, a nice sheetrocked wall. There's a switch there. There's a light there. You flip the switch, and if the bulb's good, the light comes on. Magical. Mysterious. If you've never been in a house, if you came from like the, uh, the jungles of uh, the land of Tarzan, and you came, brought a crocodile Dundee, and you came over here to America, and you flipped the switch, and the light came on, you'd be like, whoa, what just happened? you didn't understand how it works let me let me just show you the diagram of how it works here's how it works there's current in the wire and it starts at the power source which is the breaker box and there's a power source that comes from the telephone poles into your breaker box on your house 
and then it's distributed to other places like a light switch. Then from the light switch, it goes to the light. You flip the switch, the current is already flowing to the switch, and now the current passes the switch because you flipped it on and it goes to the light bulb and the light comes on, okay? We all get that very, very just basic, um, very simple kind of uh, working of our home. But let's say the electricians forgot to put the wire in the wall. And now the wall's got the sheetrock on it and the switch is there and the light's there and everything's in place, but there's no wire in the walls. And you walk over to the wall and you flip the switch and nothing happens. You flip the same switch and the light doesn't come on. It's not the bulb. You change the bulb, it's not the bulb. And it's not the switch. Everything is fine. The problem is there's no current. There's no power. There's no power coming from the power source because there's no wiring in the wall to carry the current to the light bulb. No current, no power source. See, there has got to be these three things. God's power current at work. There has got to be, number two, a soul that is thirsty for God's power and voice in their life. And number three, there has got to be the Holy Spirit working and moving, his current flowing in order for your light to come on in your own life, right? In order for you to hear God, that light has to come on. The Holy Spirit has to make it happen. This is why, this is why we don't manipulate people into accepting Jesus as Lord and being baptized like many churches try to do, like make you feel bad enough and pray on your emotions enough so you'll make a decision for Jesus because you have got to want it. The Holy Spirit has got to be leading you. We know that Jesus wants you to give your life to Christ, but nobody can make you. The Holy Spirit has to be drawing you. You have to hear it and want that in your life. You have to be at a point where you're willing to receive it and accept it. The wind blows where it wishes. The wind blows where it wishes. God decides where the wind blows. God does. See, we preach the word. We, you and me, we share the good news with our friends. We teach it. We plant the seed. But only God can really make the seed grow. Only God can make it grow. <clears throat> Did you know that the voice of God reacting in a person, right, blooming and growing in, in a person's life, begins with hearing? It all begins with hearing. Before a person can believe in Jesus, before a person can accept Jesus as Lord, before a person can accept uh, his grace in their life and act upon that grace in their life, before any of that can happen, it must be preached, it must be taught, it must be shared, and then, and first, for a person, it must be heard. It must be heard. It must be heard, but not everyone hears. So where do you think, if you were the devil, you would put up walls and blockers and static and noise and distraction? Well, you would put those things around a person's ears. You just fill their ears with noise, static, sound, busyness, so that they're so distracted, they don't have time. To hear from God because they're hearing everything else. 
It's why Jesus said a number of times when he was teaching his disciples, he would say to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. See, now we know that everyone has ears. So he's not talking about, you know, some people have ears and some people don't. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about he who has ears. He has ears to hear. We all have ears, but not all are listening. Right? Listening isn't complete if it doesn't reach our mind and our heart. We haven't listened if it hasn't penetrated our heart. In Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, uh, Jesus shares this amazing parable of the sower. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 3, do you know what the first word is in Mark 4, verse 3? One word. The word is listen. Listen. Jesus is going to tell a parable, but first thing he says out of his mouth is this. Listen. Why? Because you could have a classroom full of kids all looking forward, but none of them paying attention, right? They could be looking at your kids. You're talking to your kids about cleaning the room and getting the yard work done. They're looking at you, but they are not hearing a word you're saying. And you know that because when you're done talking, they go off and they don't even do it. And they come back later and go, what was it I was supposed to do, right? That's what they say. Because you can... You can hear, but not hear, right? You can listen, but not listen. Jesus, first thing he says in this parable is this word, listen, listen. What I'm about to tell you is really, 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 really important. Listen. Look what he says. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Okay, so the seed came in. He's going to describe, he's going to define the parable, but... But we, we know this for the most part because we studied this before. The seed comes into a person, but it doesn't stay there long. The birds come and they eat it up. It's on the path and it doesn't last. It's gone. It doesn't penetrate past their ears. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky place where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Again, person hears, doesn't go very deep into their heart and mind, doesn't penetrate enough. And before long, the cares of the world, they're out there doing their thing, forgot completely what God said. Never really heard it. They didn't really listen. Others fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants so that it did not bear any grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then Jesus said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. It's a parable of the sower. And it's a parable about hearing. It's a parable about listening. It's a parable about letting the truth of God penetrate your heart to go beyond your ears. It's got to go in your ears, but then it's got to go beyond that. 
It can't stop at your ears. It's got to penetrate your heart. The seed must penetrate from your ears to your heart because only then are you hearing. Only then are you really listening. Like we all have this problem with our spouses, our husbands, our wives, right? They talk into us, but we're not listening. We know what this is like on a daily basis. We do this to people all the time especially with our phones, right? We're texting, we gotta sit down to lunch with somebody and our phone's right there and we're waiting for somebody to buzz us. We gotta look at our phone and make sure we get that, respond to that right now, gotta do that. We're not listening to a, the person we're eating with. We're too busy. We're letting so much noise come in. We think we're so important, so busy. So what does the voice of God sound like? What does the voice of God sound like? Well, is it a low frequency hum? No, it's not. Is it like a small, still voice that we're waiting for? Well, typically, it's not an audible sound or a voice, okay? We would love for God to speak to us in a voice so we knew, oh, God just spoke to me, and that would be nice. And God has done that in the past. He has spoken to people audibly where they heard it and others around heard the voice of God. That does happen, but it typically doesn't happen. How do we, how does the voice, what does the voice of God sound like? Well, it's not usually in signs or like physical object language, right? We all want God to give us a sign that he is leading us towards something, this school or that school or that job or this job. You know, we all, God, give me a sign. We all crying out to God for a sign. God doesn't typically speak in signs, even though, even though God has used fire and clouds and altars and feasts and donkeys and celebrations and curtains and temples to speak to his people. He has. God's voice is more like, it's more like the nudging of a gentle wind on a flag. It just gently moves a little. Very soft, almost unnoticeable. If you're not paying attention, you're not going to see it. His voice is more like the convicting of our heart. That, that's, that the voice of God in our heart, the knowledge of truth and right and wrong in our heart that tells us what's good and what's not, and what's right and what's wrong, and what's truth and what's a lie. If we still have that sense of oughtness in us, a conscience that still is good and clean, not too corrupted or too numb. His voice speaks to us kind of in our thoughts sometimes, where, where God guides our conscience to truth, right and wrong, good and evil. His voice is most certainly heard in the creation of the universe, the wonders of God. We see God speak to us loud and clear in the things that he has made. We look at the galaxies, we look at all that he's made, and we go, wow, man, God has spoken to us. This is incredible. He speaks to us through the life of his son, Jesus, over and over again. We just see Jesus, we see his father. We see God. And he has spoken to us in the written and the inspired word of God. And so we spend time, we're going to read the word of God because that's where God is going to speak to you and me. You want to hear the sound of God? Dig into his word. Spend time in the word of God and let it transform your heart and your mind. Let it sink into your life. Let it change the way you motive, you're motivated in the things you do. 
why you do what you do. Worship, spend time worshiping the Lord with others and, and alone, you know, turn on some worship music and get busy. Worship God, be inspired by worship with others. It's so important. You want to hear the voice of God? Spend time with God's people, worshiping God, letting God just speak to you among the crowd. You want to hear the voice of God? Get quiet before the Lord. Come to the Lord, get away, unplug and get away and just listen to God. Block out the static and listen. You want to hear the voice of God? Get busy. Number four, serving God. Go serve the world. Go serve the Lord and let God direct your steps. He will speak to you as you are moving, as you are serving him. He will. The God of wonders. Our God of wonders, the wonder of God in the world can be heard, can be seen in the wonders of God, but it can be heard in the, in the Tao hum. In the Tao hum. Humming, that low frequency sound of a hum that not everyone can hear. And the wonder of God in the word is heard through the voice of God. Seek to hear, seek to hear the wonder of God in the sound of God. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. And get out of the noise. Get away from the noise. Spend some time with God. And listen for his amazing voice. See you guys.